Well, if you have a Bible, you can open to Matthew's Gospel. We'll look at chapter 5, verse 6 this morning. Uh, The whole of the Beatitudes is printed in the bulletin. We're just going to look at verse 6. Let me pray, and then we'll get started. Father, we can go nowhere else but to Jesus, your Son, in order to hear about you and about having a real relationship with you. So uh, even though he says strange and terrible things a lot of the time, uh, we come to listen, and we pray that you would please change us as we hear his words of eternal life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 5, verse 6, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise be to you, O Christ. <clears throat> so many of you have probably heard uh, this story from me already, but I think it's a pretty vivid uh, picture. Uh, it is in my mind anyway, uh, one that can help us understand what Jesus is saying here with this beatitude. <clears throat> uh, There's one summer in college, uh, it was August, and I went backpacking uh, with a friend in the uh, Sisters Wilderness area for a few days. Uh, the first day we only hiked, I don't know, five, six miles, something like that, before we set up camp. The second day, we got a little bit lost, and we ended up hiking about 15 miles before we reached the place uh, where we had wanted to camp. The next day, uh, after that, the third day, we hiked a few miles, and then we ran out of water. Uh, We ran out, we had, you know, water bottles and tablets and probably a filter with us or whatever, but there was no water in our bottles and no water to be found. Uh, We kept an eye out for any little trickle of a stream or anything, but the part of the wilderness that we were hiking was pretty dry, and we went without water, uh, I think it was about five miles. So we're already tired and sore from the previous day, carrying 50-pound packs on a hot August day. Uh, So you could say we were thirsty. (laughs) We were were thirsty. We didn't want to stop to rest because that just meant a delay in getting to water, right? Uh, It was maddening. Every grueling step... All we could think about was getting a drink of water. <clears throat> Finally, uh, eventually we could see some lakes up ahead of us. Um, and when we got there, it didn't really matter that the water was stagnant and brown. We filled our water bottles. We dropped in the iodine tablets, gave them a shake. Didn't wait the whole five minutes you're supposed to wake, uh, wait uh, for the iodine to do its work. We just had to drink it, <laughs> right? We were so desperate. Thirst creates a desperation where you can't think about anything else. Hunger. Jesus is talking about here. Hunger is a gnawing discomfort uh, where you feel like your stomach is starting to eat itself. You're using up all your body's resources just to keep you alive, and thoughts of food consume you. Maybe you fasted from eating food for a day or more uh, for some medical procedure, or maybe, you know, sort of religious fasting or something. That's that's good. Uh, Maybe you've done that. The hunger, after a while, becomes something that you can't ignore and your mind is locked on getting what you need. You can't stop thinking about food. You can't stop thinking about water when you're thirsty, right? Hunger and thirst are what you endure when you lack what you need to live. They're what you endure when you lack what you need to live. They're extremely unpleasant experiences. And since you do need food and you do need water to live... Without them, the hunger and thirst won't go away. It'll grow, and your body will start shutting down, right? And it doesn't take very long, really, before you die from starvation or dehydration. 
and it doesn't take that long. You will die from hunger and thirst. And Jesus says, blessed. Happy with God's own happiness are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So we've heard Jesus say some pretty strange things in these Beatitudes. Uh, Blessed are the destitute. Blessed are those who grieve. Blessed are the meek and the lowly. And now, now this. Blessed are the starving and the parched. Happy with God's own happiness are those who are so desperate for righteousness that they will die without it. Who wants that blessing? Who wants this blessing? Only someone who really wants Jesus. Uh, We can imagine what it's like to be hungry and thirsty for food. That's terrible, right? Uh, What does it mean to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness? What does that mean when Jesus is talking about being hungry and thirsty for righteousness? So... The Greek word here, uh, dikiosini, uh, it's a noun, righteousness, right? It's, it uh, can be translated either as righteousness or justice. Uh, really, in the Bible, those two English words are fairly interchangeable. And you see those two words show up a lot together in the Old Testament, like our Old Testament reading Jennifer read from Isaiah 45, right? So righteousness and justice. Uh, maybe sometimes we think of righteousness as this more personal quality, right? And, uh, and justice as it's the interpersonal or this societal quality. But I think, uh, I think the essence really is the same. I think the best overall understanding of the word dikiosini, that Greek word, uh, Bill Mounts has this great online dictionary. He basically wrote all the books, all, all the seminarians used to learn how to, you know, read Greek. Uh, so his definition of that word is that it's the state of being in a proper relationship with God. It's a state of being in a right relationship with God. And so it's easy to think of righteousness as <clears throat> something simply like good works or, uh, you know, doing the right thing. Someone who's righteous is, is being honorable uh, or something that just has to do with sort of your moral conduct, right? Um, but in the scriptures, righteousness is a word that describes nothing but a thoroughly God-centered life, being in a proper relationship with God, being in a right relationship with God. A person is only righteous when he or she lives with absolute and true regard to God. A society is only righteous or just when people always treat each other in ways that are consistent with God's reality. Righteousness and justice, that's the noun that describes being rightly related to God, and justification is the verb form of that same root word. So righteousness, justice, justification, these things are all linked. Justification is, uh, it's like being declared righteous. It's being considered right with God. It's being made right with God. A person isn't justified simply by doing good things. A person is justified when he is restored to right relationship with God. So according to the scriptures, that is what someone wants when he wants righteousness. The one who is hungry and thirsty for righteousness wants something he lacks wants something that he needs to live. He needs his relationship with God to be restored. That's justification. He needs to live each moment in that restored relationship. That's kind of like sanctification. And he needs to see right relationship with God govern all relationships between people in the world. He needs to see justice in the world. 
In order to live, the person who is hungry and thirsty for righteousness desperately needs a God-centered life and a God-centered world. He is so hungry and thirsty for it that he can think of nothing else, and he will die if he doesn't find relief, if he doesn't find the satisfaction of this need. It isn't just that people do bad things, that our behavior is wicked, or we perform unrighteous acts. Because of our sin, our relationship with God is broken. That's what's really wrong. And what we really need is this righteousness. Sometimes we do good things. Sometimes we do apparently righteous things. But we do them without reference to God. Without being truly God-centered. Even in order to keep God distant, we'll do good, apparently righteous things. So righteousness, it's not just about our actions. It's about that relationship with God. Those who want righteousness need God to fix what's broken in that relationship. And they know that unless God fixes it, they'll die. If we don't get righteousness, if we don't get justification in the restoration of our relationship with God, if we can't enter into a life that's lived in alignment with God, with who he is, if we can't get justice in the world, we'll die just as surely as we'll die if we don't get food and water. That's not a pleasant experience, this kind of hunger and thirst. Being hungry and thirsty for righteousness, it gnaws at you constantly. It consumes all your thoughts. And Jesus would say, blessed are you if your need for righteousness is so painful you feel you're about to die. He's not talking about the strong desire for self-righteousness. It's easy to, make, easy to make that mistake. He's not talking about a desire to feel good enough about yourself that you feel righteous or justified or vindicated or otherwise worthy of a favorable judgment, whether you're talking about God's judgment or the judgment of other people or even your judgment of yourself. That's self-righteousness. <clears throat> Jesus is not talking about someone who demands perfection from others, who condemns others for not living more righteous lives. His, his enemies were all about self-righteousness. The enemies of God in the flesh. That means the enemies of God. Those who are opposed to God. <clears throat> They're all about self-righteousness. So it actually puts you in opposition to God. It's actually sin, self-righteousness. So Jesus is not saying, blessed are the rule followers. Those who feel this great compulsion to just follow and keep all the rules. Blessed are the <clears throat> law keepers. Blessed are the hall monitors. He's not saying, blessed are all, all those who are holier than thou, all the goody two-shoes, right? He's not saying, blessed are these <clears throat> self-righteous people. If keeping rules, keeping laws is a compulsion for you, if it's part of your personality, you should just ask yourself, why? Why do I feel compelled to do that? Why do you care so much about the rules? Why do you want to be righteous? Why do you want to be known as a righteous person? Why do you want other people to be righteous? Chances are, uh, you might be promoting self-righteousness in your own life and in the lives of others. If you're prone to self-righteousness, then you probably come across as condemning to others. If you're prone to self-righteousness, you probably condemn yourself. You probably struggle with things like uh, guilt and shame, <clears throat> right? Whenever you fail to live up to the standards, you struggle with guilt and shame. Maybe sometimes you should be ashamed. Maybe you should feel guilty because you are guilty. But if you wallow in shame or you feel stuck, until you're somehow able to work off your guilt, then it might be because you've desired self-righteousness. Maybe you wish you could be 
good enough. You wish that was how it worked. So you could be worthy of a favorable judgment. Someone who feels that way, they might feel like they're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, but the pain they feel, the lack they feel, is not the need for God's righteousness. It's not actually the need for a right, proper relationship with God. It's, it's a need for self-righteousness. <clears throat> Those who are hungry and thirsty for self-righteousness want something opposed to God's righteousness. Even religious people, like the Pharisees, they're the best religious people. They have the scriptures, they look to observe biblical commandments, not just stuff that they're making up, biblical commandments that they find in the scriptures. They're convinced that they are righteous according to the revelation of the true God. They think they're on God's side. They'd say they're on God's side. They say they've found his favor and blessing. <clears throat> Even they can be pursuing self-righteousness in order to keep God distant. And the proof of that is that, I mean, they, they kept him so distant, they, they put him outside the city and put him on a cross. The best religious people did that. Jesus is talking about being starved and parched for God's own righteousness to define our lives, to define our relationships, <clears throat> to define all of reality, not to cultivate self-righteousness and therefore become full of ourselves, but to be desperate for true righteousness, God's righteousness, right relationship with God. And again, as with all the Beatitudes, uh, first and foremost, this can describe nobody except Jesus. Jesus is the righteous one, he never lacked righteousness in his own life with God, his own relationship with God. He's not the unrighteous one. He's the righteous one. But he's also hungry and thirsty. He's also hungry and thirsty for righteousness to define all reality. He's hungry and thirsty for God's justice to rule the world. He's hungry and thirsty for right relationship with God to define life for everybody. He wants everybody to be in right relationship with God. Not just to get their act together, to be in relationship with God. So he's not self-righteous. He's not full of himself. He's full of love for God. When he, when he wants righteousness to define the lives of others, he doesn't want it like a Pharisee would want it. He doesn't want it like a hall monitor would want it. He isn't pompous. He isn't condemning. He wants what's best. He wants what's most needed for others, for their life, or else they'll die. His desire is that others would be filled with God and satisfied with God. He wants us to be justified. He wants us to be righteousified. He wants all our relationships and our society and this whole world to be characterized by God's righteousness, God's justice. So in Amos chapter 5, it says, Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Jesus is thirsty for this. True righteousness is where everything is as it should be. A thoroughly God-centered reality in accordance with his revelation, that's what Jesus is thirsty for. True, true righteousness is where we would all delight in God's law for the sheer fact that God spoke it to us and that it reveals him to us and we can relate to him by it. That's what Jesus wants for us. That's what he's thirsty for. True righteousness is where God himself is our highest love and where the love of God orders all our relationships, where we treat other people in a God-centered way. We love them because they're in the image of God. We love them for God's sake. Jesus was so starved and parched for us to have God's righteousness that he could die. 
and he did. He died in order to justify us, in order to make right our relationship with God. So those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, we feel desperately our own lack of right relationship with God in and of ourselves. We know we need someone else, someone who is in right relationship with God to open up that relationship to us. In fact, we need someone who is in God's own relationship with God. So righteous that he's in God's own relationship, God's own divine, perfect relationship with God to share that relationship with us as a gracious gift. And that only describes Jesus. He's God in the flesh, God living out a human life in relationship to God perfectly on our behalf in order to share his righteousness with us. So those who are hungry and thirsty for God's righteousness, they're not blessed because they're desperate, just because they feel this lack. That's no blessing, just to feel so miserable you could die for lack of righteousness, just because they want this really good thing that they don't have. That's not why Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're blessed, they're happy with God's own happiness, because God promises in Jesus that they shall be satisfied. That's the promise. They shall be satisfied. He will fill up all our need. He will fix what's broken. He will satisfy the hungry and thirsty heart. By his grace, he makes it so that we, uh, as Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, can be found in him, in Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, God's own righteousness in Christ by faith. When you turn to Jesus in faith, trusting and resting in his relationship with God, the way that he's lived out that life with God, when you turn away from establishing your own self-righteousness, when you give up on that project and confess it as actually being sin against God, when you confess your absolute constant need for, for Christ's righteousness and for the world's need, desperate need of his justice, then the good news is your need will be met and more than merely met. So the word satisfied, it says, it shall be satisfied. That's a pretty strong word. One commentator says we can translate it this way. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be stuffed. This is the perfect season for knowing what that means. <laughs> Thanksgiving, Christmas dinner, stuffed. The sweet waters of God's justice, the ever-flowing life-giving streams of God's righteousness are yours for the drinking, free to all who ask, by the grace of Jesus. If you know your need of Christ and his righteousness, then you can rejoice with God's own joy because he came to give you just that in abundance. If you feel deeply the lack of justice in the world, you're blessed because someday he'll fill this world with his justice to the brim and overflowing. God in the flesh himself was hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And he will not be frustrated in his desire. It says in Isaiah 53, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. So in his hunger and thirst, the righteous one laid down his life to bear our unrighteousness on the cross and to bless us with his righteousness. And he died. And then God raised him from the dead out of his anguish 
the anguish of his soul, to see the real success of his labors. And the blessed, hungry, and thirsty one was satisfied. So as we sing of the risen Lord, uh, often Jesus lives, and so shall I. Because Jesus lives, so shall I. So we could also sing truly, Jesus is satisfied with God's righteousness, and so shall I be satisfied with God's righteousness, because he is. Because God in the flesh, Jesus was hungry and thirsty and has been satisfied, God's own righteousness already defines our relationship with God. It does. That's something you can believe. We have been justified by faith as a gift of God's grace in Jesus. He's also promised to continue and complete filling our lives with his righteousness in our sanctification. And it is inevitable that he will come and establish his justice in all the earth. It's good news for those who look to the kingdom of heaven. Good news for those who feel desperately their lack of righteousness, who can't think of anything else, who know they'll die without it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the righteousness of Christ, for they shall be satisfied. They shall be stuffed. Amen. Let's pray. Father, among human beings, only your Son is truly righteous with your own righteousness. Only he enjoys a perfect divine relationship with you, and he has done it as one of us in our place, on our behalf, in order to share it with us. Thank you for sending him into the world for this purpose. Thank you for making him known to us and for drawing us to him by the work of your Spirit. We pray that you would please help us to turn to Jesus and to turn to him alone for righteousness. Help us to entrust ourselves to him as the one who saves us from the brokenness of our relationship with you, as the one who restores us to a God-centered life, as the one who will bring justice to all the earth. We're hungry and thirsty for Jesus. We pray that you would satisfy us in him. We pray in his name. Amen.